Welcome to History 605, the South Dakota State Historical Society's podcast, where we talk to historians, curators, filmmakers, artists, and authors about how they interpret the past. I'm Dr. Ben Jones, South Dakota State Historian and Director of the State Historical Society. Join me and our guests as we think historical. So it is most appropriate and fitting that in our first year of our second century that this should also be a year of reconciliation between the Indian people and the non-Indian people alike. History 605 is sponsored by the Groover Family Trust and done in partnership with South Dakota Public Broadcasting. Welcome to the show. Welcome to History 605. Today on the show, we have Matthew Reitzel. Matthew earned his degree in history from Northern State University and his MA in history from Oklahoma State University. He has served as the manuscript and photography archivist for the State Archives Program for the South Dakota State Historical Society for 17 years now. He also compiles a weekly history column for the Peer Capital Journal. Matthew, welcome to History 605. Thank you. Um, You have uh, recently written an article which appears in the South Dakota History Journal, which is one of the the, um, benefits of membership in the South Dakota State Historical Society. and it's, it's an article that really harkens back to a different time, uh, 1930s. Um, the article is entitled, We Were Tramps Along with the Rest of Them. And it's about this uh, gentleman, Earl Neller, who takes three of his kids and three children, family friends, on a essentially a hitchhiking trip through South Dakota. Um, I'm wondering, how did you find out about Earl and his um, children and uh, and his adventures, and how did these documents come to our care? Yeah, the first time I heard about this was in um, June of 2020. I, I'd hate to call it my COVID collection, but it was a time <laughs> when uh, we were getting emails and calls where people were saying, "Oh, I have more time on my hands now, and I'm finding this stuff. Okay, right? this stuff." So, um, and I was contacted by uh, she was the daughter of Carolyn. Uh, the oldest Neller girl in this trip. Okay. Um, and it was this travel journal that she had of Earl Neller, and um, they were looking for a place for it. And okay. uh, I think she figured South Dakota because it's talking about South Dakota. It's traveling mm-hmm. through South Dakota, even though they were okay. all from St. Louis. Uh-huh. Um, they all decided, or Earl decided, to take the kids, you know, on this trip. And... Um, it was 850 miles over 27 days. Wow. Uh, they basically started in Sioux Falls, okay. South Dakota. Uh-huh. Um, they were kind of dropped off there. And uh, Lyd- uh, Lydia was Earl's wife, and she took the car and she went to Minnesota and then to see other family up in North Dakota. But the plan was Earl would take the six kids. They were ages 8 to 13. And... They were going to go through South Dakota. The, their main goal, I think, was to go through the Black Hills because mm-hmm. um, that's where they spent the most of their time mm-hmm. while they were here. Um, go through the Black Hills and then head up to 
Hebron, North Dakota, which is just uh, about a mile west of Bismarck. So okay. that was kind of their, that's where they were going to stop and meet up with Liddy again. That's where okay. her parents were from and where they were at. So that was kind of the the end goal. And, and yeah, it just kind of described um, their trip through okay. South Dakota, a day-to-day log that he kept. And both Earl and all the children had diaries that they kept okay. uh, on this trip. When you're reading through the article, it mentions, you know, we stopped and had lunch and the kids wrote in their diaries or right. we played cards and the kids wrote in their diaries. So, right. so so it must have been compiled kind of as they were going on this trip. They got back to St. Louis and then Earl created this um, travel journal, which included his notes, his diary okay. notes. And then he also included some of the children as well, which to me was uh, very thoughtful, I guess, if yeah. you were to do that, you know. Their age is 8 to 13, so some of them are kind of like, you know, we got up, we ate, we walked, we stopped, and right. we're done, you know. Right. Um, some of, but, but some of those diary entries um, included a lot of information that Earl did not include. So, okay. So within there, there's some mentioning of, like, um, the, the two older girls— Carolyn and Dora, they, when they were in Keystone, they met up some with some other teenage girls and they went swimming and okay. stuff. And it mentions their names. Um, their last names was Owens. Okay. And that's not in Earl's part at all, but it right. is in the girls. So okay. there's things that you pick up um, from theirs. There's another instance, too, when they were in North Dakota where, um, you know, they're just walking through, getting rides and stuff. But in the, one of the girls' entries, it says we picked up another hitchhiker and talked oh. with him. And you know, yeah. but that wasn't in Earl's, but it was in the in the kids' journal. So there's right. there's little things like that that showed up from uh, from the journal itself. Okay. So you mentioned Earl was a what? What was his profession? What did he? He, he was a, a high school teacher. Okay. Um, he. Uh, he taught. It was called Cleveland High School in St. Louis, which I do not believe is there anymore. Okay. Um, and he taught like French and English oh. and uh, what was called then commercial commercial subjects, which to me is like economic kind of business okay. kind of courses, kind of the practical things business, like that. Economics. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Um, he got his master's degree in English and French. He taught in France for a little while. Okay. Uh, and then they came back to St. Louis. He was also um, a veteran of World War One which is mentioned okay. a little bit yes. uh, in the journal. He kind of mentions it uh, a few spots. Um, well, they it, talk about the boys having bayonets yes. or, or their, yeah. their kind of World War One era yeah. knives. Right. And he's carrying a pistol. Yep. Uh, yeah. Which comes up, I think, once or a couple times. Yeah. yeah. So so they're just, um, you know, a bunch of kids and a teacher from yeah. St. Louis who yeah. decide, you know, in 1933, let's go through South Dakota. Right, right. And this is the the journal article and, and the quarterly article uh, basically explains their trip. Their the day-to-day, day-to-day day trip, yeah. yeah. Um, well, and that explains, too, uh, how do they – so what might be a typical day? They, so when they woke up in the morning, depending on the weather and the heat mm-hmm. and so forth, they would kind of schedule their walk, but they wouldn't necessarily know where they'd be sleeping that next night. No, not really because, you know – the, the pla- they did walk quite a bit, yeah. and it talks about blistered feet and sore shoulders and yes. and a, a few tears. They had to start, <laughs> especially. Yeah. Um, but most of the time, you know, they would they would get rides from people, from trucks, right. from cars. Um, there's a lot of instances where the kids are yelling, you know, "Give us a ride!" and uh-huh. someone would pull over, and and it could be almost anybody. Right. Um, it mentions all the different uh, stock trucks and gas trucks, and then mm-hmm. they would get in a 
get in a car where it all fits. Sometimes it would be like a coupe and they'd have to sit on the fenders or something uh-huh. as they were driven down. And some of their rides would be several miles. Uh, some of them were just short little trips, you right. know, and then they'd go there. They, <clears throat> they were somewhat lucky, I guess, in that they did get a lot of rides yeah. from, <clears throat> from start to the finish. They had one from Montrose to Mitchell and then there was another long one from White Lake to Presho. Yeah. And then at uh, Vivian is where they hopped on a railroad car and took mm-hmm. a ride to um, Rapid City. When they were out in the hills, they got rides all over the place. Um, mm-hmm. One of the subjects mentioned is the CCC, the Civil Conservation Camps that are all over the hills. They're, uh-huh. they're almost as thick as mosquitoes, I think, because they <laughs> run into CC workers all the time. All the and time. they're getting yeah. rides here and there. Yeah. And then... Um, when they were in Leed, they got a ride from one of the um, the Kincaids is the other group of children that went along. And they had an uncle who was a doctor at the Homestake Mine. And they got a ride from his wife from Leed to Bowman, North Dakota. So those are a, like big That was a big ride. That was. Yeah. And, and one of the, the girls, when she, um, later in the 80s, she had made copies of this for her family and did like an introduction, which is mentioned towards the end of the article here. And um, she just mentioned how there was like a lot of worry, you know, from from the relatives, like telling Earl, you know, what what are you doing? You know, this is crazy. You're going to kill all these kids. You know, what do you do if someone gets sick? If someone sprains an ankle or something, you know, what are you going to do if that happens? And and he decided to take them anyway. And like you said, they didn't know where they would be. Um, yeah. But but fortunately, they. Um, I think it helped that they were children. I think people uh-huh. saw them on the side of the road right. and were like, you know, are you guys okay? What is yeah. going on They were here? checked they, in a lot. They were checked in a lot. There was yeah. a cu- there's a couple instances, one with um, near Custer, with one of the youngest boys, Virgil, where he was just walking and he just sat down and must have been by a tree and just put his head back. And this car just comes to a stop. Uh-huh. And there's a, some women in there. It's like, is he okay? Is he yeah, all right? And yeah. it was like, oh, he's just fine. He's taking a rest or yeah. whatever. We're yeah. okay. And But there's other instances too where um, there was like a married couple and the wife must have made him pull over because there's, you know, these girls. And yes. she's like, oh, these poor girls are walking in the heat. And they, yeah. they ended up giving the girls a ride and they took all their bags, you know, a couple miles down the road and helped them out. So there yeah. was, they got a lot of assistance right. in drives. And also they stopped at a lot of farmhouses. Yep. Um, they seem to think going from, if they th- saw a farmhouse, they would know, well, there's milk and eggs there mm-hmm. and we can buy them from the farmer. Yep. And they can get a lot of water and things like that yeah. as well. And th- there's a lot, it, I found it interesting because Earl would always mention you to like, we came to this farmhouse and there was a sign that says, do not enter private keep out. And then uh-huh. they'd walk in and they'd be like, oh yeah, let me get you some stuff. Yeah. Let yeah. me do this for you. There was one instance where a woman um, gave him like milk and cookies. And then she took some of Earl's money and went shopping, went grocery shopping for him and brought groceries back for uh-huh. them to take. So okay. there's just a number of stories like that yeah. where people are, are helping them out right. along the trip. And, um, so the f- it, it's ironic then that the family members that were concerned about the health of the children, the fact that they were children, proves to be a strength I think so. in attracting friends or help along the way from I strangers. So. Yep. Yeah. And and from strangers, and they they, you know, played and interacted with other kids along the way. So mm-hmm. it 
and I didn't really bring it up, I guess, in the article, but as I'm thinking about it more, Mm -hmm. it's like, I think it was pretty obvious that the fact that they were children, like you said, it did help them out because people were like, why are these six kids on the side of the road? What is going on here? Right, right. And uh, yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about the scene a little bit. You mentioned that the the heat um, and the CCC, and those are kind of telltale signs of two things that are happening in the environment at the time. The uh, Franklin Roosevelt is in his first year in the White House, and the Civilian Conservation Corps, the CCC, is a is a Depression era government program to put uh, people to work. And so, around the hills, if you go to, um, I was just talking to somebody about this the other day. I think it's Wind Cave, where the mm-hmm. pathways inside the cave were built by CCC young men hauling bags of cement and building this. In the 1930s, in the heat of that uh, time frame, um, and doing this manual labor and so forth, and they're everywhere, and they're uh, replete. This is a, a kind of a symbol of the Depression. What are the other things? Uh, and then the heat and so forth. Yeah. Grasshoppers are mentioned. Yep. Um, what are the other kind of telltale signs that that uh, we got the Dust Bowl going on in the Depression? There's a section of the Travel Journal where it, in their ride from White Lake to Presho, where he specifically mentions like the crops are looking all burnt out. Right. The grasshoppers, you can see all the cars that are coming by them have grasshoppers on their grills and all over the place. Um, He also mentioned kind of bad storms. I don't know if that's Mm. necessarily connected with the drought, I guess, but Mm -hmm. there's mentions of hail storms and things like that and that kind of damage. Um, you, You mentioned the heat. I... I don't know for sure if it's just always hot in June and July, you sure know, is. in South yeah. Dakota and, and Western <laughs> Even North, in North Dakota. Dakota. Yeah. But w- when they're in North Dakota, th- that's where you can really tell. I think they, they, they knew they couldn't be hiking like in the afternoon and they had uh-huh. more trouble getting rides. They're waking up at four in the morning and hiking because they it's still cool outside. Right. And uh, there's a part, uh, and I don't know if it's in North Dakota, I guess, but where they wake up early they're walking and it's nice and cool and breezy and then mm-hmm. you can tell it's like it just gets hot abrasively <laughs> hot yeah yes. and it's like yeah. it is he he earl refers to it as punishment <laughs> you that's know that's right so that's kind of showing how, how how bad it's getting and how they have to the kids will and there's a photo of it in the article where the kids are like draping their blankets and stuff over the fences to uh-huh. make shade. Uh-huh. Um, so, so you'd really do pick up on that. Also in North Dakota, they meet up with uh, Elizabeth Roberts and Ellen Pope, and and she's talking about how like the turkeys are eating the grasshoppers, and the turkeys are kind of the the things that are getting them some money, I guess, for for things to do, and how they. There's a quote from her where she basically says we're we're kind of year and I'm paraphrasing I guess but it's yeah. like year by year we're kind of slipping a little bit farther behind and yeah, yeah. And, I, and I think the the part where you can see the the depression the most other than the CCC camps is when you're in Western North Dakota and it's just it's hot and it's oppressive. There some places they will buy eggs and milk there was one story where they were getting milk from someone and he's like milk isn't worth anything yeah, just take milk it milk isn't worth know, anything just take you know. it yeah so there are these little um little nuggets of like you know you can tell right there's a drought going on you can tell that there's a depression going on just by, by right. who they're talking with but the the reverse of that too is you know there's 
there's all these, there's a guy driving a milk truck and a stock truck and a gas truck. There's um, people they're meeting at gas stations. They're going to grocery stores yep. and buying stuff. Yep. When they're doing all these cave tours, there's people taking tickets for stuff. So, yep. so there's still this notion that, you know, things are, things are not going well in certain aspects, but, right. but there's still this economy, this tourist yes. economy um, that is in South Dakota. And that's kind of uh, parallel to what's happening nationally at this time. You know, yeah. there's, there's the drought and depression. Not as many people are traveling, um, but there's still, you know, the Yellowstone and Niagara Falls and right. places where people want to go. And then there's also these businesses that help support them, restaurants, hotels, right. things like that. So there's that national st- story of right. people are still traveling. And then this journal kind of connects with that a little bit as far as South Dakota. Mm-hmm. You know, there's Mount Rushmore, you know, still just only has Washington's face right. kind of done. There's Wind Cave and they're in Hot Springs and Custer going to different places and Sylvan Lake. And they're in Deadwood at Mount Moriah and um, yeah. Adams Museum. So there's all this, there's places for them to go, yes. places for them to see. And then, like I mentioned, there's some hotels and post offices and there's the Chamber of Commerce in Rapid City where they visit a couple times. And yeah. um, and there's this other stuff going on, yeah. you know, for them to take a look at. Right. But they're not, in their diaries, they're not lamenting the national economy. They're not lamenting unemployment. No. They're not lamenting this. They're not mentioning FDR. They're not, me- no. so all of that's not, it's, it's just so – it's like a micro history, really. This family yeah. and friends are traveling and, and you see them kind of enjoying what is – you call it the tourism trade that's emerging in South Dakota built by Kutzen Borglum and people like Governor Norbeck who's, who's by now carved out Custer State Park. They mentioned Custer State Park and Sylvan Lake and um, all these things. It's – I mean there was tourism in South Dakota before this time. Right. Um, I think – what you would see now in the 1930s is that something from people today would like recognize. It's sure. like, oh, we're, there's a Mount Rushmore to go to. There's a Wind Cave to go to. Yep. They recognize that and right. would see it as kind of that early modern tourism, I guess. To, right, not to right. get too fancy with words, <laughs> I guess, but but things like yeah. that. Yeah. So th- from time to time, you mentioned that they have a lot of downtime. They have a fair amount of downtime. And uh, – in fact, one of the things that the kids do besides write in their diaries is they study French. I think Earl has them. <laughs> These students, he's used to French students. That's his profession. He's teaching them some French, and so that's one thing they would do. What else would they do in their downtime? That, uh, Well, one of the habits that they collect that winds up becoming an impediment to their travel is their rock collecting. <laughs> yeah. So how does I, Earl handle that? I thought that was funny, that the way he handles that. Yeah, and, and you could tell – they had started to accumulate rocks. They all became rock hounds, sort of. And like he said, he felt bad to just tell them to just leave it. Right. So they were, yeah, I think they were in Hill City. And they went to a garage and asked a guy for an orange crate and some hammer and tools. And uh-huh. he was like, yeah, whatever. And they, yeah, they boxed up all these rocks and mailed them back to St. Louis. And yeah. so that was one of the things. Um, you know, they would run into other, other kids, um, other children. And mm-hmm. there was one instance where... You know, they've like hiked for most of the day and they get into town and then the kids ask to go play with other kids. And he's like, you know, they're basically struggling the whole day and then they get into town and like, hey, we're happy. We're and they're right, running right. around and doing all of the kinds of stuff that kids would do. Yeah. yeah. They, they also uh, they played cards. There was a lot of card playing. Mm-hmm. Uh, they whittled sticks. Uh-huh. That was another thing. There was when they were out in Custer, 
the younger boys built a fort out of sticks, you know, and it was like everyone had to come and give them a little admiration for this work uh-huh. that they have done. Because they're going to leave it behind. Right. Yeah. They're going to leave it behind. But, but you mentioned what they do in a typical day. You know, they wake up. A lot of times I think they they start walking before they even have breakfast or anything. It's yeah. just like get ready. And Earl, Earl mentioned that too in a couple places. They learned how to like be mobile at a moment's notice, you know. Uh-huh. So so if a car or something did come by, they could just pack up their stuff and leave. Yeah. Um, so they were always kind of ready to go. They'd walk, you know, or try and get a ride in the in the early morning as much as they could. Um, Earl had a like a gas can and a cooking stove with okay. him. So they would have things like uh, oatmeal quite a bit. There yep. was a time where they would boil their eggs when mm-hmm. you know so they did have again, another thing you gotta carry with you, you right. know, gas and a stove. Um, so how much how much weight is he carrying and how much weight is are the kids carrying? It it's it's mentioned in the article. I think he he says around like fifty pounds of stuff and the kids were maybe like around twenty pounds or right. so. Um, so when the kids are laboring under if the kids can carry twenty pounds and fifteen are rocks then it's not groceries, right? right? So right. that's why he, it becomes yeah. a logistical concern to mail this stuff back home and kind of an argument with the kids. Yeah, and and water, they're always looking for water, but that usually is not a problem for them. Uh, mm-hmm. the, food, the, food, the food thing always interests me because, you know, to, that would be the struggle, you know. It's right. like there isn't a Walmart they can go to in every town, but there's always, there's always a grocery store. They're uh-huh. always buying, they buy a lot of canned food and bread, uh-huh. Um, a lot of their meals were bread cut up into seven slices. They refer to it as the lucky seven uh-huh. and they would put bean, green, beans on it or yeah. something like that. And, and he'd make some reference the one time they were having a can of peaches and he made some reference to like, okay, let's see who drops the first peach today. He said, cause they're always, <laughs> kids are always dropping something like that. Right. And so, and, and they had blankets and, uh, um, uh, they, they refer to it as tarpaulins, but basically like a tarp, I guess, okay. to keep them out of the rain. Occasionally it would yeah. rain, and they would find some spot to kind of to hang out or okay. keep them yeah. dry a little bit. And in all this, the little kids, do they ever get scared? Is there some incident that provokes any kind of fear or, or homesickness? or? Uh, n- not, not directly. Um, there was one instance um, where... They were out in the hills, and they were, they were ready to go to sleep. And Earl mentions uh, someone is walking kind of back, and he's noticing them, like, what oh, is okay. this? And, and you had mentioned he had that he did have a gun along. Yeah. He said he loaded the gun. Yeah. And then the two girls had their trench knives ready. Yeah. So, so I think there was that, that notion of, you know, we do have to kind of protect ourselves whenever right. something is, is going wrong. The, the one um, – the cattle car trip from Vivian to Rapid City. Yeah. That to me would be like the most panic, you know. Right. Uh, you're in this, um, there's the, 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 the migrant workers in their late teens, early 20s. Right. You know, you don't know who these guys are. Right. Earl refers to the one guy as a wrestler. Yeah. Looking by the size of his muscles and stuff. And it's yeah. like, I, I would be concerned hopping into a rail car <laughs> with a bunch of men with, you know, a bunch of kids, right. you know, what's going on here. And, and you don't have the choice of when you can leave. Right. I mean, you, yeah. But but he he just kind of talks with them. And again, and I right. think, again, I think the whole notion of these are kids, that's another like it just automatically um, it kind of diffuses the situation, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
So the, the, the big issue is they are always concerned if someone is sick or if someone is getting sick. That was one of the yeah. the issues that kind of came up as they were beforehand kind of planning the trip. A lot of the uh-huh. family was saying, you know, what are you doing? Something If something bad happens, how would how would you be able to get to a place where it's safe? And yeah. uh, one of the... Um, the young, the youngest, um, Kincaid boy, Albert, he had like a cough and he was kind of sick uh-huh. for a while. And there was kind of that, uh, what are we going to do now? Right. But he just kind of, they kept through and made it through and he got better. Yeah. Eventually the Elaine, the middle Neller girl, there was one night where she was, she was sick and they kind of had to stay in, in Hill city an extra day. It uh-huh. was kind of like, we need to stay here a little bit and recuperate a yeah. little more. And, but then she ended up getting a ride from, from Hill city to rapid city on another CCC truck. And, okay. and Earl had mentioned, you know, you know, he's, he's trying to give the kids a uh, experience. That's the word that he uh-huh. uses frequently. You know, what kind of, ex- we're doing it for the experience, what we can learn from this. Right. And, um, that was one of the things where, you know, she, if she wasn't there at the exact time, they never would have gotten the ride and they got yeah. all the way from Hill city to rapid city. So, so in a way it kind of helped that they had to stay a day. Yeah. And then, so there was just little stories and things like that, that are throughout this article here of the kids. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think they generally had a good time. Yeah. <laughs> I think yeah. there was a lot of excitement. The boys got to ride a few horses every now and again. And uh-huh. The the youngest one mentions how, you know, no, now we'll have something to write in our diaries about, you know, yes. And, yes. And things like that. So I, there, there was no, um, there wasn't a lot of negativity, I guess. Right. Uh, right. It seemed like it, it went okay. Well, and that's one of my questions is why would Earl do this? And I think you answered that just for the, he talked about, he wanted to provide these kids this experience and what an experience it. I mean, you think about it, they learn how to, uh, kind of fend for themselves. They certainly learn some self-reliance. They learn how to talk to adults. Strangers come along and ask them, and they yep. they kind of learn when to speak to them and how to speak to them. And how to help each other. And how that, to that help one another. That's right. Um, they There's not a, One thing I noticed is, I mean, anybody who's been a parent and has taken his kids on a long trip, the bickering in the back seat is rather profound at times, but there doesn't seem to leave, at least not that makes it into the diaries. There's not a lot of bickering. Yeah. There was an interaction at the start okay. uh, that, that was, it, it didn't make it into the article. And oh, as, okay. As a parent, I kind of appreciated it. Yeah. Um, but no, it was, it was when they were in Sioux Falls, they had just driven from St. Louis. All the kids got out of the car and one of the girls had this ball uh-huh. and the kids were playing catch with the ball. One of the boys throws the ball, it gets stuck in a tree. Oh. And they start yapping at each other. It's like, oh, you're going to get it. And they're throwing yeah. rocks up in the air, trying to get it out. And Earl has to climb the tree and get the ball out. <laughs> but yeah, like as a parent, I could just see that. How are these kids not like yelling at each other? And I couldn't Constantly. imagine yeah. going with a group of six kids, ages eight to 13, without some kind of fighting going on. Right. And there was, like I said, a little bit at the start. Okay. But I think as they started going, that whole idea of being of camaraderie and this is our group and, yep. you know, we're... We're sticking together. We're sticking this. together. Right. I, th- I think that kind of is shown to throughout the throughout the journal. Right, right. Um, what did what did the mom think of all this? <laughs> so so what's the look on her face when they they run into each other kind of in an unplanned way, yep. um, and 
And she's been, has she got any letters from them uh, on the trip? There, There is some instances where <clears throat> they are getting letters from um, from each other, but they're not always connecting. Um, when they were at Sylvan Lake, they had gotten some letters, uh, one from Earl's family and, and one from the mom. And he doesn't really explain what, yeah. what she thought of this whole thing. Uh-huh. It just... Um, she allowed it to happen, yeah, <laughs> and that's kind of where it, it's at, I guess. Yeah, um, but I, th- I mean, after fortunately nothing bad happened. Yeah. you know, I, I, I could see why, why the family is just kind of, this is this is a bad idea. Right. Um, even, even today, if you were to say, let's take, I'm going to go with six kids, and we're going to walk through South Dakota and the Black Hills, and then go to North Dakota. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it kind of you kind of like say, okay, maybe this is not a good idea. And right. then you got to say, oh yeah, by the way, it's 1933. Right. And here's right. everything going on. But, but it was a different time, you know, yeah. uh, um, compared to now. And I've had uh, one woman who, who's read the article came up to me and she said, yeah, my, I think it was her mom way back in the day would mm-hmm. have to hitchhike to school because they lived out in the country and they didn't yeah. have a car. And I think that was kind of something that was done. Yeah. Back in the day, you yeah. know, people would get rides and it wasn't a big deal where I think today yeah. it's just not not the thing you do for right. for a number of reasons. So yeah. I don't I don't think a trip like this could be could be done today. Yeah. I don't I don't know if I don't know if it would right. be allowed. Are there uh I wanted to ask you too, are there what other hidden gems might be in the archives that you're thinking about writing up? Um I don't know of any right now, I guess. I kind of got done with this one. And um, I'm I'm very thankful to Cody Ewert with the press and just the press for for allowing this to be done. We had had talked um, a few times, you know, like how how would we do this? It's a little different. Um, I... One of the issues I had is there is that all kind of like small stuff that, you know, I didn't want to lose, you know, like someone lost their hat in a truck or someone broke a glass jar with water in it or right. the one the boys helped um there was a dog that had porcupine quills in his nose and he like hey can we help with this dog and Earl's like yeah go ahead whatever and then yeah. they had porcupine quills as souvenirs yeah. so there was all these little things right. that as we were going through I was you know how can we keep this and still have this be considered a scholarly article, sure. I guess, and and it was it was a good process that I went through, um, and I think yeah. most most of the stuff that I wanted to keep in there was was still in there. Yeah. I think it turned out pretty pretty well. Yeah, uh, pretty well. Well, when I heard that you were that this was coming out and working on it, I I thought, you know, methodologically, what's the what's the question? Mm-hmm. And when you're uh, when this woman calls you up and and sends these diaries in, um, it can be guided by the artifacts instead of the question, which is not necessarily bad. But the but the challenge then becomes, how do you show change over time, or what's the? Right. And I think that just become the questions or the effects of having a question kind of emerge over the time instead of being stated, yeah. you know, kind of boldly and clearly up front. Yeah. And I think the what you can learn about South Dakota uh, in the 1930s is is pretty rich based on this kind of I guess yeah. very personal, almost micro history of what these what Earl yeah. and these kids experience. Um, 
It's uh, it's very revealing. We see some things. Well, there's there's no interstate highway. Right. Yep. Um, as you said, Mount Rushmore is only Washington at the time, so things were emerging. Um, and all the roads, seventy percent of the roads are gravel roads. Right. At this time, so right. so so think of it. You know, you're thinking of it not so much as I'm in Sioux Falls. I'm going to hop on the interstate and go 80 miles an hour, and I'm in Rapid City in four hours or whatever. Right. Think of it more as I'm in Sioux Falls, and I need to take all the, count, the country gravel roads yes. <laughs> to get out yes. to the hills. Yes. And um, it's just it, it's it's just a different mindset right. of what they you know how how did they get out to Rapid City? You uh-huh. know, how did they get through the Black Hills? You right. know, all the roads are are still kind of there. Right. You can get from point A to point B, but right. But they're 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 tramping. That's the term, yep, you know, from the tramping. day where they're basically hiking. Yep. You know, yep. there's no there's no glamping in this uh, in this right. journal. So it, it was difficult. It was hard. Yeah. Um, but I think that also created an experience for them as well. You know, it yeah, wasn't exactly. um, something they remember. And I think um, like the t- the at the end of the journal, uh, I mentioned the two the two girls who kind of made copies of the travel journal for their families, they remembered doing it. Sure. And they remembered being there. And, and I think um, it, it's probably one of the, I think as kids, kids tend to remember more things like that. Like yeah. it's a big deal. You know, right, we are right. not, we're leaving home. We're leaving the big city of St. Louis. And now we're going out into the wild west of South Dakota and uh-huh. we'll ride horses and see cows and yeah. go through caves and um, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, there's one quote in here that's uh, toward the end of the article where they meet up with a, a rodeo cowboy. I think this is in Deadwood um, or Sturgis. And the, and the cowboy with a lariat stopped to talk to us. And Earl informed the cowboy of their travel of the past three weeks, to which the cowboy replied, then it, then it is no need to tell you what wildlife means. Yeah. He, <laughs> he's very impressed with Earl and what the kids are experiencing and the fact that um, they've learned a lot of stuff they're not going to get from books. Yep, and and I think when you when you read through this, it almost seems like um, he's creating some fictional character of some type. You know, it's like the man with the loud whistle and the woman with the sweet voice and uh-huh. the the war veteran. Yeah, and the mountaineer and his wolf like dog. You know, he's describing things. Yeah. He's describing people. The cowboy, yeah. his jolly cowboys as yeah. well, and it almost seems like this. It's a mythical adventure of uh-huh. some kind, but they talk with these people, and they interact with them, and they're always, you know, asking questions. You know, they would ask the kids, you know, what are you doing here? Where are you going? Yeah. And um, the kids would then, you know, reply to them when they were in um, on the Fourth of July. They went up uh, Harney Peak, now That's Black right. Elk Peak. Yeah. And they got to uh, Earl calls him one of Uncle Sam's forest rangers, uh-huh. and they that interaction between them. It's like, what do you do here? It's like, well, I look for fires. Well, how do you look for fires? And right. It's like, well, I use this. And it's like, well, how do you tell people? I use the right. phone. And then they're like, where do you get water from? And it's like, over here. It's like, how do you get your food? And yeah. there's just that interaction that the kids are having with people and they're they're learning. Uh-huh. Like you said, they're learning how to, to work with adults and deal with adults. One of uh-huh. the one of the kind of eureka moments, I guess, I had uh-huh. with, this, um, with this is when Earl just has like a one sentence mention of it in the journal where they're in Presho. And he said, I talked with a newspaper man today and I went and I looked in the, uh, the Lyman County Herald and uh-huh. the next week's paper, it had a little column 
in there and on them and it said, you know, hitchhikers bound for the Black Hills and stuff. And uh-huh. and it mentions their names and it mentions that the kids are with them and, uh-huh. and all that kind of stuff. And that was just kind of a, a point in time where it was like, you know, wow, I, I, I had I, I always thought this was a real, you know, I had, I didn't think this was made up or anything like right. that. But then you have that concrete yep. roof saying the these kids and this Earl Neller were in Presho on this day and they talked with somebody and yeah, right. that just kind of it helps explain the whole journal that it actually happened and yeah. they're also they were in the newspaper in Custer as well there okay. was a mention of them as well okay. didn't have their names but it was like a man from Missouri was walking through town with six kids and they were yeah, going yeah, through yeah, the yeah. Black Hills so right. There's little things like that that just um, and, and the photographs. There's uh-huh. there were nine photographs altogether okay. that came with the collection. Um, eight of them are either on the cover or within the journal itself. The ninth one is just a picture of cows, so that <laughs> it, it isn't anything too historically relevant, uh-huh. I guess. But and that was that was something that I kind of found that that no one knew were in there. Uh, the the journal itself, um, it was typed out, double-spaced, an uh-huh. 80-some page journal. Okay, wow. And it was wrapped in this brown paper bag type wrapping. It was a little thicker than that, actually. Mm-hmm. But it was all just kind of wrapped up all in there. And as an archivist, I'm like, yeah, we can't we can't keep it in this acidic environment. You know? Right. We, and, and I was unwrapping it, and there was just this thud on the table. And there was this little envelope, and it was like a magazine envelope to oh. order – order another year of magazines or whatever. And those uh-huh. photos were in there. And oh. I asked the donor, I said, did you know about this? And it's like, we had no idea there were those oh. photographs were in there. So it was kind of okay. new to everybody. Okay. And that also added to this. Sure. Um, I think, you know, we- The we photos still, are amazing. Yeah. The did A lot of the images on here are from the South Dakota Digital Archives and it's showing Mount Rushmore and right. out in the Black Hills and Presho at the yeah. time period and stuff like right. that. But to have the picture of the kids, you know, the kids sitting yes. by the side of a building, the kids kind of taking a picture on Iron Mountain Road and out in the Black Hills, you know, and right. they were, they're in uh, the the Minnetonka Plunge at Hot Springs, you know. Yeah, yeah. It just, it just makes it look like this complete story. Yeah. So I'm, I'm glad, like I said, that, yeah. that this has kind of all come to fruition here and this, yeah. uh, this, uh, this travel journal will be able to be published by the press and um yeah yeah well matt uh thanks for your hard work on this and uh kudos to cody too for for getting it in the uh, press and and um again uh this is uh entitled we were tramps along with the rest of them and it appears in the south dakota history journal uh volume 52 number three in the fall edition of this year so matthew reitzel thanks for being a guest on history 605 thank you We'd like to thank Howard and Dorothy Groover for their passion for history and the support of the South Dakota State Historical Society. It's through gifts such as theirs that we're able to tell South Dakota's history. We'd like to thank our partner, South Dakota Public Broadcasting, and most importantly, we'd like to thank you for listening. Please rate us on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to find podcasts. We'll be back in a couple weeks with another episode of History 605.